0: Women who have survived unthinkable and unspeakable violence behind the closed doors of their own homes are speaking out more than ever before. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the stories and journeys of women survivors turned entrepreneurs and how they use their strength and tenacity to help other women move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Flow Rising. This show contains adult topics and often contains triggering stories. Audience discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Flow Rising. I'm excited to be joined by my guest, Diane, who is on the opposite side of the world from me today. Diane is joining us from Australia, so I'm excited to have an international guest. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me today. Looking forward to it. I am too. So Diane has a wonderfully interesting story to share. I love all of my guests because they're unique. But as we always do here on Flourizing, we're going to start with the good stuff and start with where Diane is today. So Diane, share with the audience a bit about your business, a bit about what you do and the people that you serve um, where you are. Okay. Um, My business is called
1: Family Violence Mindset
0: Solutions, and
1: um, I have another membership site called How to Thrive After Family Violence. So that's uh, come about as a result of my own journey through family violence. And um, after I left my um, ex, I invested in my own uh, self-development, my own education, became a coach and behavioural profiler and hypnotherapist and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, I just, um, I, my interest was why do these guys do what they do? I wanted to know the why behind it. I didn't care about anything else. I wanted to get in underneath their skin and figure out what are they doing? What are the benefits and how can we limit those benefits? So we give them an opportunity for change. Now we know we know absolutely that these guys, even if you give them an opportunity for change, the change is not guaranteed. That's a choice. But all we can do as survivors, all we can do as people who want to change the, the, the balance of power when it comes to family violence, all we can do is provide an opportunity. So my business is about educating uh, women and girls and survivors, like um, adult survivors of of family violence as well, uh, adult children, I mean, um, to to help them to understand the why, to help them to understand what the motivation is behind their actions and to help them to understand how they can limit the benefit of those actions so that it no longer becomes... um, uh, these guys keep doing what they 're doing because there 's huge benefit in it, so when the benefit stops, then they need to start looking at what do I need to do now you know so that 's what the business is all about i i um, I jump in where the recovery phase is, so there's a lot of support I think uh, governments all over the world are looking at the crisis support. They're looking at dealing with the crisis, but very few people are dealing with the actual long-term recovery process. And I personally think that is one of the most important parts of uh, recovering from family violence. So that's where I step in. Um, I leave the the crisis uh, period to other people. I do help with... um, like uh, over the past ten years, I've worked as a, a volunteer support worker, a peer support worker, and um, in the family violence sector. And uh, during that time, I, <laughs> I virtually lived in court alongside my clients. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I would I would do between one to four days in in court each week, um, and that was with different clients. So that was over a ten year period. So I had a lot of court experience, and um, I actually found that. Um, during that time I absorbed what are the challenges how can they best meet those challenges what is the best um, what is the best course to navigate through the the complex legal uh, system and how do you how do you function in a dysfunctional system so th- <laughs> those are the things that I deal with um, in the very early stages of working with women you know it's uh, because I think if you can figure that out, um, then it makes the journey a lot easier. And honestly, uh, some of my clients are they are legal, the journey through the legal system is still ongoing. It's eight, eight years for some people, five years for others. Some have an easier ride. But honestly, it's never an easy ride.
0: <laughs> no.
1: Easy ride. So does that explain as much as you, yeah. No, management. I I love that
0: yes. you. Fo- I love how you're talking about focusing on the recovery piece because you're right. There's yes. so many resources out there, and I always emphasize to people who are listening. Yes. If you are in an active, you know, violent situation, there are resources. Super easy resources to get yes. a hold of in almost wherever you're hearing this. To make an exit plan and get yourself out safe, mm. you know. But like, and then like Diane saying, mm. legal resources. But then it becomes there's life. (laughs) There's this recovery piece. There's, okay, I'm out myself and my kids are safe. Maybe we're still going through the legal process and life still has to move forward and figure out a way. Um, so this is the point in the show where I always ask my guests to share their Mm. own stories, because Mm. I think one of the biggest, most important things for people who either are in situations or even maybe in that recovery process Mm. is to hear you're not alone there are people who've navigated this before you and mm. your story is kind of unique to some of the others <laughs> just because of how it kind of came about yeah. so as I always say as much as you want to share as you know whatever feels comfortable but yeah. um you did mention now x so it's always good to say that part that yeah. you yourself have navigated recovery or still navigating recovery as, yeah. as a lifetime thing but yeah. share a little bit about your story with the audience today.
1: Yeah, yeah, um as you said my story is a little bit different. Um my my marriage was uh, faith-based, you know? So um I gave up on um I gave up on relationships because I didn't do it well. <laughs> didn't do it well. I found that I was attracting the wrong type of people. And so I became, um, I found faith and I thought, oh, I'll get it right this time, you know, because if it's a faith-based marriage, you know, um, then both of us will have a commitment and we'll both have uh, uh, like an ongoing commitment to making a really good marriage, you know, based on, The right values and everything like that so i thought i'm going to get it right this time Hmm. (laughs) i was wrong (laughs) yeah Yeah. so so um as a result of the faith-based marriage you know um there's i'm not going to tell you the whole background but anyway the point is there's there's um something that keeps you going in a situation that you wouldn't normally stay in if it didn't have that foundation you know, and also, um, I want to tell your listeners, you know, anybody out there who is part of a faith community who doesn't understand family violence, I'm sorry, they do not understand family violence. They talk about, um, you know, stay in the marriage, you know, if your faith is enough, you know, it will work out and all that sort of rubbish. I'm sorry, yes. it's just rubbish. Um, yes. uh, that puts a lot of onus on the woman to make something work that is never. Going to work, you know. So, so that's the slight background. So, I started out my married life in a small West African country called Burkina Faso, eh? and um, I uh, we and because my my background, uh, my marriage was both. Interreligious, like I was Jewish Christian background. He was Muslim background, very, very interesting little thing. And then he was African and I was white Western. So um, Mm -hmm. there was also the cultural difference. It was a country where I couldn't speak the language, didn't understand the culture. You know, I was getting used to things, but I was well-traveled. And um, so that's where my marriage started. So I wanted to emphasize the intercultural thing because Mm -hmm. I would – I would dismiss any concerns I had about his behaviour because of the cultural differences. Mm-hmm. you understand? So yeah. I was um, rationalising away some things that normally I would be a bit concerned about, you know. So, so that was the other layer too. But anyway, we started out married life in, in um, Burkina um, I ran a business there and there were things that were happening. He was getting fatter. I was getting thinner.
0: I mm. was pregnant.
1: I was pregnant. I was fully pregnant. And I was, um, you talk about stones and pounds, right?
0: Uh, we're pounds here in the States, but however pounds. you say it, <laughs> I was
1: 28 pounds underweight during my Ooh, pregnancy. I got that's a lot. sick. I got sick and he didn't seem to care. Didn't seem to care about that. I also was the one who was working. Um, I was the breadwinner, so I was pregnant. I was working, um, and uh, I, I was basically starving. You know, so we ended up coming home to Australia. So, so that's where it all started. And then we came home to Australia. And, um, but uh, I don't want to make it too long. The point is, <laughs> once once I under once I started to understand, hang on a minute, this is not. It's not just the cultural differences. This is behavioural stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and we went through a, a nice little period in our middle life. But, mm-hmm. honestly, the before I left him, I left him when I was pregnant with my second child because he scared mm-hmm. the living daylights out of me. Yeah. And um, he came and chased me and threatened to take my children away from me. So yep. I went back. And, unfortunately, when you go back, you go back on their terms. You don't go back yep. on your own terms. Yeah. Nope. And so... I was basically giving him permission to continue whatever the hell he'd been doing before. And that, yep. that is another thing that I now understand. I didn't understand at the time. And then, um, it just got bad. It's got really bad. He was scary. He was gambling, found out there was a kid um, that was conceived during our, mm-hmm. our, um, during our marriage, you know, this is faith-based. <laughs> oh <laughs> Yeah.
0: It was allowed to screw yep. around, so it was okay. That's right. you know,
1: yeah, yeah. The um, the church actually knew about that, and they 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 gave him. They they said, "Oh, you'll you'll have a really nice marriage to this man that they knew was screwing around already." Wow. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's yeah. So
0: <laughs> it's, there's so much there, you know. And, um, and I think it's good to point out that you know, like you said, you know, mine wasn't an intercultural marriage, but no. I still did the excuse making. Yeah. Cause he had a bad childhood so yeah, I, it, it's yeah. interesting how many of us we find that reason like yeah. faith or yeah. oh i understand you know a little bit about his pain or whatever yeah. that is and we stay and i yeah. think that looking back like i don't know about you but that was that was the hardest part for me as i left was going why did i stay why did i go back you know and that why was he the way he was? I, I think that's an interesting way that you look at it is trying to understand, you know, and, and I knew about my ex's history about, you know, his childhood abuse and the stuff that he'd gone through. And then I look back and go, but I had childhood trauma too. And I didn't yeah. do that to him.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It was a one way street, right? It's a it was. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was. And so and can... it, yeah. And it's just interesting to me how, um, our, our our own personal journeys lead us a lot of us at least my guests on this show into doing what we do today because you know I can only imagine for you how scary it was I know it was scary for me but how scary it is to have kids to have these and be trying to escape and then come back and it's worse
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and
0: and so many of us do that i mean statistically they say seven times yes that yeah. we try and leave yeah, we
1: seem to we seem to go through that revolving door, which is interesting. But I think that's the other thing I I like teaching my uh, the women that I work with is um, how to minimize the the um, risk of bouncing back like a boomerang. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I do that because the way to minimize it is to um, there's no. You know Tony Robbins, wonderful mm-hmm. Tony Absolutely. Robbins. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So he talks about um, how we we need certainty, you know, safety, security, and comfort as our foundation before we're willing to do anything else. So if we don't have certainty, we're probably not willing to to go out and be an adventurous in the world or explore as we would need to. So certainty is absent in a um, a, a violent relationship. It's it's gone. So the woman has to make her own certainty yeah, in order to yeah. be able to step off into the unknown. Okay. And if she can't do that, it's so likely that she will return to her abuser because mm. she has, she knows where she will live. She knows who she's living with. She's got a bed to sleep in. She knows where the kids are going to be. She knows there's food on the table, you know, maybe miserable, but she knows those things. So it's easier to go back. And the other thing that a lot of women say is, I know where he is. I don't Mm -hmm. have to look for him everywhere. I know where he is. So Mm -hmm. that's certainty. It's certainty of a type that is horrible, but it's Mm -hmm. certainty just the same when you've got no certainty in your life. So the woman, in order to leave, has to establish her own certainty. So I went behind the scenes. I went behind the scenes and over a period of 12 months, um, mm-hmm. looked for a place to live, got a stable job. Um, you know, like I did everything I needed to do in order quietly, of course, you know, and i got mm-hmm. all of my important, get your important documents before you leave. I mean, just get them, you know, get and them, put them yes. somewhere safe. That's the most yes. important thing. Cause as soon as they got wind of your, are leaving, they're going to snatch them away. And you oh done. yes. Yeah. So, yes. um, so I did all of those things. I took a twelve month period. I even got mm-hmm. a loan from my wonderful, wonderful boss for the yeah. bond. And um and then so when I stepped off into the unknown, I felt I felt I had control over my circumstances yeah. and no matter what happened. I wouldn't be tempted to go back. And I didn't. I just didn't. So I went back the first time, but the second time, no way. No way was I going back because Mm -hmm. I had established a stable thing and um, a stable situation. And also me and my girls blossomed after we left. You know, they excelled academically. My ex came to only... I mean, he came – I could count on five fingers how many times he came to school, you know, with me. Mm-hmm. So, But he came the year we left thinking mm-hmm. that the kids would fall into a heap and he would have a justification that, you know, they should come back. <laughs> well, my eldest daughter won ducks of her year for the first time oh. ever. <laughs> and my second daughter won other academic achievements. So they excelled, you know, and um, and I excelled as well. So, you know, someone said um, – Diane, one week after I left, Diane, you look ten years younger. And what have you mm-hmm. done? <laughs> I Left my. Ex.
0: Yep. Left. <laughs> I, it, yes, so, yeah. I, I, I remember that time. Like I, yeah. uh, it's funny for me to think of it now. But I, you know, I, I think it was within three months of being of him actually being gone during our separation before the divorce. Yeah. I dropped sixty pounds. Yeah, yeah. Without actually, I mean, I didn't even know I was holding on to the weight. Same yeah. type of thing. They're like, "You look years younger." And yeah. I, I joke, but it's not a joke. I said, "I dropped three hundred and sixty pounds because you <laughs> know, three hundred was <laughs> like I dropped the dead weight." But it is amazing how much it, that physical. We don't, you know, I'm studying this now about how how trauma and we hold it physically in our yeah. bodies. Yeah, and you just you, th- that survival mode, you, you just, you have no idea you're doing it until it's gone. And then, like you said, you have that certainty. I love how you use that because yeah. safety is something you have to create for yourself. You can't, yeah. you can't do it. Um, but yeah, the importance of, like you said, my exit plan was a 12 year period too. And, mm. I look at that 12 months and cuz I I actually canceled a divorce. That was my go back. Was I can't yeah. I had filed for divorce, I canceled the divorce and sadly that last year was when a lot of my lingering physical stuff actually happened because like you said I went back and it was on his terms.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I needed those 12 months to do what she said, get the important documents, yeah. get the get the bank account, get things yeah. things were already in my name. Yeah. But you know, that getting control of something. Yeah. Yeah, it's is huge. Um, it's
1: it's a monster. It's a monster. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it, I think I should tell you more
1: of my story as well because yeah. I told you very little. But um, <laughs> he, he was a gambler, so mm. I I um I would uh, I was a rescuer. I was a nurse, and I was sure. a Florence Nightingale. So I would um, every time he'd gamble away the mortgage money or the food money, I would pull out. <laughs> I I didn't have much in the way of stuff, uh, but I pulled out old jewellery and I would sell my Mm jewellery so that we would have food for the weekend, you know, Um, or I'd take responsibility for the mortgage. And um, in the end, I decided I stopped doing that. I stopped doing that because I decided I would be willing to lose the house um, in order, uh, like I figure if he went down to zero, there might be a possibility for him to change, you know. So. Mm Of course, it wasn't going to happen. But anyway, I I did it. (laughs) The point was I stepped back out of taking responsibility for everything. And that's another important thing for people to understand. If you constantly rescue a person who's creating disasters for himself, he will never take responsibility for those disasters. So you become the person who is the go to person every time he gets himself into trouble. And it's your responsibility. And he has an expectation that you will fulfill that responsibility. Well, I stepped out of that relationship, he was in a state of shock. Um, Suddenly, he was responsible for all the mistakes he was making. Mm -hmm. I felt so much lighter, so much freer. And I'd already released my attachment to stuff you know mm-hmm. so um i was I was fine, you know, and I thought I, if we end up homeless, this is your issue, you're not mine, I'll manage, yeah. but I don't know about you and um and that uh that forced him to take responsibility, and mm-hmm. I flatly refused, you know, so that was one area, and that was really good, the other thing was um there was sexual abuse and i think i mentioned yeah. in my prelim um yeah, yeah. the worst the worst thing that happened was um i had a, a the, the point is your physical well-being does mm-hmm. diminish when you're yeah. in a violent relationship now yes. violent uh, i say violence but i mean coercive control i didn't have black eyes and broken limbs it was still sure. abusive it was still yep. violent you know yep. but um so uh I underwent, when I came home from Africa, I underwent um, five operations and had two babies mm. in, in, uh, in four years, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so that was an indication that I had, my my body was feeling the stress of a, of a difficult yep. relationship. But um, yeah, the, the worst thing that happened was um, I came home after having a hysterectomy and removal of my cervix and, and um, he raped me just one week after the operation. So, oh. um, so <laughs> he he thought that was fine. <laughs> so this is the thinking, you know, this is the thinking of uh, mm-hmm. abusive people. It's as long as I'm getting benefit out of it, it really doesn't yeah. matter what what's happening to you. Um, you know, I told him I could die. That that wasn't a problem. You know, that, that didn't seem to be an issue. Uh, What do you mean? You know, That later he would tell the story later. He would tell the story. I stopped because I saw blood on her, on her abdomen, you know? So I'm, I'm the genius. I'm, I'm the, the wonderfully considerate person who stopped. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah. they make themselves into the, the glorious warrior, the glorious savior, when mm-hmm. actually they're the ones who are <laughs> doing this thing in the first place. It was yeah. their decision to initiate. So that's probably as much as I need to tell you. But I just wanted yeah. to tell you those two things because um, I think they're relevant to people's journeys. Yeah. I think it's
0: hugely important to talk yeah. about um, spousal rape um because yes. that is one of those things that people are and especially faith-based marriages. Yeah, I was yeah, not yeah. in a faith-based marriage, but a lot I've talked to a lot of survivors who were like you in a faith-based yeah. marriage. Yeah. But I grew up in a church that you know, I <laughs> I tell the story that my my church education <laughs> this is this is terrible, but I it's one of these newly recovered memories that I actually had blocked from my childhood was a mm. man pleasuring himself in front of the teenage girls, teaching yeah. us how a man's penis worked because it was your responsibility to always take care of his penis. Whoa. Jeez. And I I literally, this, this is something, because now I'm working on childhood traumas, I had forgotten those memories. And, yeah. and they came back to me in such a harsh way, but I went, that was one of the, because that young, you know, I was brainwashed by the church that my parents chose to participate in that you are a woman and your responsibility, it's your fault if they do something to you and you're responsible for making sure that they are always pleasured. My, I tell the story that my ex, we had been together for less than three months. It was right around three months. And the reason he started beating me was because it was the first time I said, no, I will not have sex with you. So every time after that, every time for 18 years, I never willingly said yes. Even though my words said yes, my body never willingly for almost two decades said yes. That took, that was, that realization came about a year after and that one hit me like a freight train. That even if they're not holding you down, there doesn't have to be this, what we consider, you know, normal rape. I hate that word. I've I've actually had someone say, well, that's not normal rape. And I'm like, would you like to define to me how it, (laughs) you know, they say no is no, but what if you're not allowed to say no?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And
0: that's, and like you said, my, my ex was physically abusive. And so there was physical threat of violence. Yeah. But I willingly gave my body to him almost every day for 20 years because A, I was brainwashed into it from faith and B, that was how he was to stay happy. And if he was staying happy, I was staying safe. And we exchanged that. And it is important to share that it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you are legally married, <laughs> no, 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 is, no, is still no. And you still no. have that right to your own body. Exactly. However, sadly for, for a lot of us in our situations, we didn't have the right to our body. Like you said, no. yours no. was. That's deplorable to me to think. Wow, you had just had your womanhood taken away, which I can't imagine because that's not where I'm at. But still, mm. and then for him to feel like, oh, now you're—I have the right to that. What? And they they are they the why behind it to me is just there. There's a—I a, don't know—a mental disconnect. Like I said, I had childhood trauma too, but I never, you know. And we—those of us who went through childhood trauma and turned out differently, hurt people don't always hurt people no no they there's don't. something mm. broken in them
1: but also you'll find people who come from um uh, you'll find guys who come from uh happy family environment who are abusive you know and yep. honestly I, I think um one of the one of the biggest issues and now I, I'll come back to what I was saying before you know mm-hmm. if you're going to fix someone's problems they're going to come to you for every problem so if a teenage If a teenage boy comes to you and says he's done, uh, you know, and um, he gets into trouble for doing something, you know, like being um, doing something wrong, you know, Um, if if it starts really early in life, if you fix that problem because you don't Mm -hmm. want anybody to know what your kid has done, you're creating an abuser Mm -hmm. because you're giving him a green light For It's for every child. I shouldn't say just him, but we're talking about uh, abusers in a masculine sense. So let's go with him. But for every child, if you fix every child's problem and put it away, they're going to think, I can get away with anything. Now, we're Mm -hmm. all about testing boundaries, and especially children are interested in testing boundaries. How far can I go? Mm -hmm. You know? So if there are no consequences, if you don't hold the kid accountable at the very beginning, what you could be creating is an abuser who will always displace blame for their actions onto someone else, put the onus for fixing the problem onto someone else and never taking responsibility for themselves and their own actions and choices, you know. So I think it starts It starts at an early age. So that's why some people, some guys end up coming from relatively reasonable, uh, happy Mm -hmm. family existences, but parents who think we've got to hide stuff from the public and uh, my boy's a wonderful human being and I will do anything to (laughs) help this kid. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And and he's not. He's a jerk, you know. (laughs) But it's parental denial, isn't it? It's parental Mm -hmm. denial. So. Yeah, sometimes, um, as you said, you know, uh, many, many say because of my childhood. Um, I've actually explored that. Honestly, I've explored that. Mm -hmm. So if you bother to investigate, did you have a crappy childhood? Often, if if they find out you're actually investigating it, suddenly that childhood disappears because it was just a story.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, and also uh, the women uh, whose abuse I experienced before you, they were terrible women. You explore that, you bother to contact those women, you'll find that story disappears as well because then you mm-hmm. find out the truth. What they're interested in, especially in early stages of a new relationship, they are interested in you staying the hell away from their ex so that mm-hmm. you will not find out what the truth. So honestly, me, I would make a line for their ex and find out what the hell happened. Yeah, Uh I would do the exact opposite to what they're saying because and I'd Google the damn guy. I would Google him and find out what is his history. Um, So those are the things I would because a lot of women say they just had feelings, but they Uh dismiss them. the rationalization Uh of of things, you know, because when we're in love, we're a little bit (laughs) nincompoopish. Yes, we can be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we will, um, you will know, we'll think, you know, I can handle that. I can handle that. Um, and the other thing too, uh, the other thing I need to mention too is, uh, a lot of women who've been through uh, abusive relationships will um, say, um, if I just could love him enough, he'll be, he'll heal, you know. Um, so yep. I found that we we, we have a tendency. Yeah, I see you putting up your hand. We yep. have a tendency to be not only rescuing people, but also very loving people. You know, we really believe that love can heal all uh, wounds. And yes, to some extent it can, but Mm -hmm. when a a person chooses um, abuse, chooses to use abuse, you can't heal that by loving them. Actually, you have to do the opposite uh, because Mm -hmm. you're giving them the green light. You know, Um, you're loving them better every time they do something foul you know, and, mm-hmm. and unacceptable. Um, uh, you're doing it because you have an identity. I, yep. I am a, a compassionate, caring, empathetic person. Yes, we are. We are. Yes. But there has to be a point at which who do you choose to use that compassion, empathy yep. and, and a beautiful heart on and who do you withhold it from? You know, you know do you throw this this love, this care onto a a rocky ground where it's not going to take, take root or Mm -mm. do you preserve it for people who, you know, um, will treat that love and that care with the right respect it deserves. Do you understand?
0: Yeah. So I, yeah, that's, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting how, it's Mm. so true that's like i said that was that was me that was
1: yeah
0: it's funny that you say that because i have this 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 memory of being at church of all places and i was Mm. eight maybe seven or eight Mm. years old and the the pastor was talking about love Mm. and i remember thinking that that's it that that is the essence of who we are and i was right Mm -hmm. that's the essence Mm. of who we are
1: yeah
0: but my childhood and then my training and then my choices as i got into marriage were It was give, 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 but it was never, it wasn't for me. Like that love was not designed for me. And that's what I'm finding in my healing journey now is as I take all of this, you know, beautiful ways that I choose to love other humans Mm. and heap that back on myself.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Then I realize, okay, so I'm loving me first, which means then I know what it feels like to be loved. So now I can see, oh, this human in front of me is loving me. There's that. And all those things that we excused for love, which were never love ever in those abusive relationships, they weren't, you know, I I call it the card and candy love, you know, they'd show up when when they were supposed to, you know, you'd get, I always hated the love bombing phase after for, for me, after a beating then would come the dating again. Now I'm going to, give you flowers and now I'm going to pretend to love on you until you, you forget what I just did. And that's, that's the hardest part is you have, like you said, you have to break that and, and take that from them. You really have to take away your love yeah. and say, yeah. Nope, yeah. that's, yeah. that's actually not what, what you're going to get from me anymore. You're going to just, you know, not have that. And that's when things that's, for me, that's how it works Was I was like, Nope, Hard pass on loving you anymore. You were in a love diet, mate. <laughs> <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> yeah. Diet. But, and it was, it was, I distinctly remember the day, like even after we had divorced, yeah. I was still struggling on that letting go piece for about yeah. eight months. Yeah. yeah. And I, again, really good at lying to myself. I would say, yeah. oh, it's because so he wants to see his son and he doesn't have any money because he didn't know how to have a job or pay rent or get utilities or I had done that. He had no yeah. idea how to do anything. And he was floundering, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, he really wants to see his son, so he wants to see me." So, like, I would let him still hug me. I think about mm-hmm. that now, and I'm like, "Oh," but I remember the day, and I was like, "Do not touch me," and I mm-hmm. said it just. Like, I was like, "Do not touch me," because I'd made mm-hmm. up my mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That literally was almost three years ago now, and other than the obligatory text to his child on the holidays, that's it. Oh, like, wonderful! He stepped out. That's good. I, I got, I feel, I feel blessed. It's, it's funny how a lot of people talk about, you know, what happened after they left. And I'm like, Mm. personally, I didn't, I didn't experience that. I had Mm. the kind who he, he prefers to have the story of the big bad wife who up and left him after 18 years and whatever (laughs) other, you know, garbage he chooses to spread out in the world. And I'm like, that's great. I love being the bad guy in your story. You just keep on walking the other way and telling it. (laughs) That's a bad Javona. It's a bad Javonna. Yeah we don't need it that's fine um you know and now my son's almost 14 and hmm. so he can make it even
1: though yeah
0: he, it's it's his own choice now like every time his father texts i'm like and he's like what I was like i got nothing to say i'm like cool we're good we don't respond and just let it be because it's his yeah. choice now yeah and so that's yeah. that's the most important piece i think is the uh the choice yeah. aspect I, I left,
1: um, when I left, um, I thought, how can I make sure that he doesn't bother us, you know, so I, mm-hmm. I said, you can have everything, I'm taking the kids, that was the yep. deal, so I gave him the house, I gave him the furniture, I gave him everything, gave him the car, by the way, and um, uh, so we didn't have transport, uh, but I yeah. I got myself a job, I got a, um, I told you, I think in, uh, I, I got myself a job where I had a company car that was actually a three-ton truck. It's
0: <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so this is this is another thing too. Is um, sometimes when you put it out to the universe, I need this, you'll get something back, but it won't be exactly what you're looking for. But um, anyway, yeah, that was perfect. But. Um, So I gave him everything. And because I gave him everything, including we had two beds and a computer, we left with two beds and a computer for the three of us, you know, the kids needed the computer for their work, I inherited Mm -hmm. uh, 1000s of dollars in debt, he was perfectly fine with that. He used to throw me 50 bucks a week. um, And that was going to cover everything. And he thought that was pretty reasonable. And um, so uh, that's $25 in US money, Yeah. Um, so a huge amount of money that I really... Yeah, tons. Go, I was so <laughs> extravagant with that.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so because of all of that, because I gave him stuff and he was interested in stuff, clearly he was not interested in people because people who are interested in people do not treat people that way, you know? Yep. Um. So I... I monopolised on the fact that he was interested in that stuff and just mm-hmm. walked away. A lot of people told me I was stupid doing that, you know, you should do property settlement and everything like that. Sure, I could have done that. I could have yeah. done that. But I also could have had him plaguing me for years, you know. Yes. Um, and I just thought, nah, I've got it right, you know. Um, I, don't dis- I don't discourage women from doing property settlement. I don't yeah. discourage that. Um, I can't. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know their situation, so I will support them through that, but, um, that was my path and it worked, Mm -hmm. it worked. So all I cared about was, does this work? Does this work for me? Does this give me and the kids freedom? And the kids have still got their relationship with their father. They're 36 and 34 now. So they've chosen their, their relationship with their father. Mm -hmm and that's another i don't know about you but that's another complexity that a lot of women who mm-hmm. are survivors of family violence have to deal with is the yes. the kids want a relationship with their uh, abusive part the father mm-hmm. even if he abused them even yep. if he abused them there's something in children that is their love is unconditional regardless yep. you know and uh, another thing i found is that uh, we women Cannot badmouth their father because it's their father you know so yep. we we were forced to be silent within the marriage, forced yes. to keep the secret the dirty secret of what's going on behind closed doors. then we mm. leave the relationship and unfortunately we're forced by our children to keep that secret again yeah. and I think that that um, that has been more painful for me than anything else because mm-hmm. I love my children desperately. So, yep. um, having them keep me silent, having, you know, having to be silent, um, about all of this, you know, and, um, I promised my children, I'll only speak about Papa. We called him Papa cause we're French mm-hmm. background. Um, yep. I'll, I'll only say good things about Papa. I promise I won't say anything mm. bad
0: about him. Interesting. You know?
1: Yeah. And, um, I mean, you nearly choke every time you say something good about him, but, you know, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's in order to pave the way to have an ongoing relationship with your children where they don't resent you for mm-hmm. the fact that, um, uh, your relationship failed or whatever they they resent you for, you know? Um, yeah. yeah so it, it's, that's another important thing in the recovery process, unfortunately, you know, and I think it's unfair you know it's unfair yeah. on the woman it's really quite difficult for the woman
0: yeah yeah i always have i've had a rule with my own child um since he was old enough to talk you know a little before he turned one mm. if he asks a question i will age appropriate answer it yes 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 and we were a couple of years out of the relationship and he started having nightmares yeah and he asked me he goes and he would he would describe things and i'm like because he never experienced the violence himself but of course we lived in teeny tiny places with paper thin walls it's not like he didn't know what was going on with mom he could hear and he would start describing incidences and he would and then he asked me he goes is that really what happened Mm, mm. and at first i would say I, i you know again i don't want and he got so insistent that I was like, okay, I'm going to just have the rule. And it's always been the rule with him and I, if you ask the question, age appropriate answers. And I finally started telling him, your memory is true.
1: Yeah. Good on you.
0: And I would just, I wouldn't go into details. I wouldn't explain Mm. it from my perspective. I Mm. wouldn't, because I didn't want to put again, that this is how I experienced what you heard, but I would Mm. just validate and affirm that Mm. his memory was real. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. He's working on that with his with, in therapy. That, and that's why I say that's that's a therapy place for him to come to terms with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. But
0: if he ever came to me and said, I want to talk to my father, I would not restrict that. I would not prohibit that. I wouldn't no. even prohibit him from seeing him if that was his mm. choice. Mm, mm, mm. But it has to be his choice. And just because yeah. his father reaches out, that's yeah. why I said every time I'm like, do you want that? And it's exactly. not on me. If you yeah. say yes, you absolutely may call him. You may see him. Mm. And at this point he says, I don't want that. And there may, again, it may be heartbreaking for me and it may be tomorrow where he says, I'd like to see. And that's, that's his choice. Cause again, that's half his, like you said, that's half their, their identity. That's half their biology. That's half where yeah. they came from.
1: Yeah. And, and that, it's, um, it's hard. It's very hard because um, uh, I was in court, one of my many court appearances, you know, <laughs> with my clients, and yeah. the, the magistrate, or it was a judge actually, said um, uh, to uh, the couple do not, um, do not dismiss the value of each parent. Do not make yeah. that mistake, but because the children are half of both of you. you know, so mm-hmm. so um, don't badmouth the other person thinking that you can do that. There may be justification but you do not have permission to do that uh, because the children feel torn in two. And um, that's, that's the sensitivity, but I love what you do. I love age appropriate responses. Mm -hmm. My, my daughter, my youngest daughter, we were, um, she was 15 when we left. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, she now at the age of 34 has um, taken her father to task. She did that 12 months mm, ago. She's yeah. got all this stuff coming back to her, Yep. but she's doing it on her own terms. Mm-hmm. She's doing it on her own terms. And she's asking me questions. It's mm-hmm. taken all of those years for this yeah. to start coming out because I think people who go through childhood abuse, you know, uh, or, or are surrounded by it. They may not experience mm-hmm. it, but they're certainly I- impacted by it. Um, sometimes it takes many years before the actual Mm -hmm. effects of that or even the memories of that start coming out. I think you have to be in a really safe environment Mm -hmm. in order for those memories to start to surface because you need a system of support around you that is stable and secure in order Mm -hmm. to allow these to bubble up, okay? And yeah, and um, so that's that's a, a this delayed action, this delayed mm-hmm. uh, memory. Um, sometimes it takes so long that it's yeah. forgotten. You know, you're holding people accountable for what they did. You didn't even know what was going on. You know, yep. many times you don't know what's going on. And um, yep. uh, I've been told by my daughter some things I didn't know, and yep. had I known, I would have left earlier. You know,
0: um, I. Yeah. I experience the same thing all the yeah. time. Like he'll say something and, you know, something, cause he's doing EMDR therapy, which is designed to re- recall those yeah. memories. And his therapist will say, we've had some big recalls. If he wants to share it, receive wow. it. If he yeah. doesn't want to share it, let it be. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I take that advice, but I think it's important that yeah. my job is to maintain my relationship with him yes. in a way that allows him to come to his own healing. Because if I try and force it, then that's not his healing. That's me saying, Mm. this is what you're, that's being fairly abusive and toxic in my own right to be like, you have to do these things. So I think that's important, you know, and it's hard. Like you said, it is heartbreaking as parents Mm, mm,
1: mm. to
0: hear these things as we go years past them actually happening to go. and, And when things come up and he does share with me, I say to myself, I say, okay, receive it and hear it and know we are safe now. I'm sorry yeah. that you know, and apologize. I do. I, I'm sorry that I wasn't strong enough to save you or to remove you. Then, I'm so grateful that we got out when we did. Yeah, yeah. And and move forward because that's mm. that's really that's really mm. what it's all about. And the recovery mm. process is, like you said, it's a lifetime thing. We're, yeah. we're constantly yeah. recovering yeah yeah yes Mm -hmm. so we have wow it's it's so fast how always these times go so fast (laughs) with my guests i'm like i could talk for hours but one of the things i always ask my guests is Hmm. if somebody who is watching or listening this to this show this episode would like to actually get connected with you or learn more about what you do yeah what is a good way for people to get connected with you right now
1: yeah um i've got uh, they can have a look at um my uh, website, familyviolencemindsetsolutions.com, dot com. I think it's dot com. <laughs> Dot com dot au it is. There we go. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Not knowing. <laughs> it's
0: okay. I've, I've done that before. Like I think that's why I, I make sure that the links are down below. So yeah. for anybody watching or listening, just click on that link and you can get to Diane's website to learn yeah. more about the work that she does yeah um, and get connected with you if, if they so choose. Yeah.
1: And the, there's a, a freebie that they can download as well if they want to. It's called uh, the 10 key things you need to know to distinguish between new love and the early stages of abuse. And um, so uh, that's something I offer people, um, because I think we need to understand what are the key indicators in an early stage uh, of a relationship, that um, will give me an indication this guy is potentially an abuser. So new love, and the early stages of abuse are virtually almost identical. So that's mm-hmm. why I created that particular um, uh, webinar, thinking this is what people need to know. You know, if you can avoid an abusive relationship, it's better than escaping an abusive relationship. Oh,
0: <laughs> I believe yes. If I if I'd left the first time, right? Yeah. But yes, that is that's right. If you can see yeah. those and and educate yourself, so that's lovely that you have that free resource. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again. For the listeners, websites right down below, go grab Diane's free resource. If if you or someone you know needs it, please get that out there. And Diane, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story and the work that you do for Mm. other survivors. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. (laughs) Yes. Mm. To my audience, thank you for joining us. And as always, I'm wishing you peace, love, and flow. And may your flow be ever rising. Until next time.